Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. If you read and you're following along with this, you know what Romans chapter 13 is all about. And for those of you who have no idea what Romans chapter 13 is about, buckle up, because we are about to hit the fun topic of politics and the Christian's response to our leaders, and why Christians should respect those in authority over us. And if I'm being honest with you, oh boy, here we go. If I'm being honest with you, this would be like one of the last things I would ever want to talk about. Like I, you know, I do this occasionally. I I come up here and I'll teach, but this would be like a topic that I don't think I would ever talk about until maybe I got much older and felt like I had more gray hair. So I have more wisdom and people would be like, oh, this guy, he knows what he's talking about. So this would be something that I would rather just avoid. But I've said this before. I'll say it again. You'll hear me say this often, that the thing that we need to understand is that God isn't silent on a lot of things that we're facing in our lives, right? Like there are things that we're facing in our lives and God actually has answers to those things. And so if God isn't silent on them, we as a church should not be silent on them as well. And so today we come to a passage where God is in silent on Christians and political figures. And so we're going to talk about it. And the thing that I love about Awaken is that what we do is we teach all of God's word. It would be so easy to pretend like this wouldn't have existed when Pastor Kevin told me, hey, you, you've got Romans 13. It'd be so easy for me to look and say, verses one through seven, nope, I'm gonna go eight through uh, the rest of it here. You know, like that would be so much easier for me to do. But what I love about Awaken is we're gonna teach all of God's word. And so God has something to say about it. We're gonna talk about it. And if you have a problem with what I say, don't email me. Talk to God about it because I didn't write this book, okay? This is God's word. This is not Nate's word. Nate's word would say a whole lot of other things, but this is God's word. So um, I know even as I've just said politics, I know many of you, you have your gloves on. You're putting your gloves on. You've cracked your neck a little bit. You're ready to go in the ring. You're like, all right, preacher boy, let's go because I know if and when government should be respected and I have my opinions and my beliefs and I know all of these things. So let's go. I'm ready to fight you. And I know others of you are like, I can't believe that I just RSVP'd for the North venue. I wish that I was in the South venue so I could just get up and leave right now. And there are those tuned in online or uh, at a watch party going, well, we're just going to pretend like this week didn't happen. There was a technical issue or something like that happened. I'm going to turn off the live stream because I come to church to hear Jesus not get told about politics. But listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take off the gloves for a minute. I want you to hope that your child doesn't cause a ruckus so you have to get up, or I hope that you stay tuned into the message because what I believe that what we're about to read in Romans chapter 13 is very relevant to what we're facing in 2020 and everything that's going on in our world. In fact, I think what you could say is after reading uh, Romans chapter 13, it's very counter-cultural. And if we let God's word in Romans chapter 13 get into our hearts and into our souls, I believe this will be a game changer in your walk with the Lord. Because I believe that ultimately what we're going to see in Romans chapter 13 is that your attitude and responses to those in authority over us is really a reflection of your attitude and response to God. So, Let's chat politics. The definition of politics, poly meaning many and ticks meaning blood sucking organisms. So now that we're all on the same page here. (laughs) All right, there we go. All right. Let's read. (laughs) Let's read Romans chapter 13. 
We're going to look at the first three words, and I'm going to pause for a minute. It's going to say, let every person. Now, every person, I did a little research on this, every person means every person. I was really hoping that it didn't mean me, and I was hoping that it didn't mean us in Clarksville, Tennessee, but every person means every person, so we just need to move on and accept this. So, let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgments. If you need a pause, take a deep breath, exhale there. That's a lot to get in right there. Verse 3, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you must also pay taxes. And some of you are like, this is the worst passage in all the Bible. Trust me, I know, I studied this, so it's pretty tough here. But we're talking about taxes. Verse 6, for because of this, you must also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Now, after reading this, I know a lot of us probably have a lot of questions. We're thinking, well, if this verse is saying this, then does that mean this? And if this is saying this, then we really have to do that I want you to hold on all to your questions and all your thoughts and everything. Hold on to it. I think that we're going to answer all of the questions in the time that we have left here. But I'm going to start by saying you might have heard this saying or slogan that was kind of going around. It still goes around a little bit. And you may have even said it before. It goes, question authority. Now, I will say that it's a, a okay thing, a good thing to question authority. I don't think that we should ever just blindly follow a leader and do whatever they say and tell us to do. Like we should question authority, but I believe that we should do it in an honoring and, re- and respectful way. And so this slogan, question authority, I feel like has kind of drifted from that. We've drifted from doing it in an honoring and respectful way. And it's kind of morphed into what we're seeing in our culture today, where we've gone from questioning authority to a complete disrespect for authority, especially political authorities. And so if we disagree with the leader, we feel that we have uh, not only no obligation to respect or honor or even obey the leader, but we feel like we have the license to vilify, slander, and attack the leader. And so what we're reading here in Romans 13 is a good reminder for us as Christians that we have a responsibility to honor those in authority over us, whether it be our parents, our boss, or specifically what our text is getting at, our governmental authorities. And what we're going to find out is that we are called and required to do this, regardless of our political beliefs or our political preferences, whether we like the person or we don't like the person, we are called to honor those in authority over us. Now, before we start really diving into this, I want to say this. When we're talking about governmental authorities, I'm not just going to be talking about our president or our senators or our representatives, councilmen, mayors, governors. I'm not just talking about them. Of course, they are included in this. But I'm going to be talking about anyone who has worked and is employed by the government. So when we talk about government authorities, think about law enforcement. So the police officers, our highway department, 
I know I could definitely be a little more honoring to them because I hate the roads here in Clarksville. So we could be a little more honoring to them, our firemen, our EMTs, people in the military. So when we're talking about governing authorities, of course, it's our political leaders, but it's really anybody and anyone serving in various capacities in our government. So with that being said, how are Christians supposed to behave? How are Christians supposed to act when it comes to governing authorities? And the first one is this. We submit to governing authorities. Look at verse 1 again. It says, Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Now, after reading this, I know for me, and you probably need it too, we need a really big pause to allow this to sink in for a few minutes, because at first glance, it's a little unbelievable what we're reading. I mean, this verse is enough for us to want to take this page out of our Bibles, rip it up, and pretend like it never existed, and go, Romans 12, I have. Romans 14, 15, and 16 I have, but Romans 13 I don't have. It must be an unlucky number. That's why it's not in my Bible. Like, I've never heard of Romans 13. Because this could be a really hard verse for us to accept and get into our hearts, right? Because when we're reading this verse, we expect Paul to say, let every person be subject to governing authorities as long as they're honoring Christ. Or let every person be subject to governing authorities as long as they fit into this political party or they believe these political views, or as long as they're doing good, or as long as they're honorable, or let everyone be subject to governing authorities as long as they're worthy of respect. But I want you to notice that there's no qualifiers. There's no caveats. It doesn't say uh, be subject if they're good and don't be subject if they're bad. The text makes no distinction between good authority, bad authorities, moral ones, immoral ones. The authority can be a Democrat or a dictator. It could be a communist or a king. It could be a Republican or a revolutionary. It doesn't matter. Paul just says, be subject to governing authorities because they come from God. And you might be sitting here and you might be going, whoa, 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 Pastor Nate, like, if that's your real name. Like, do you know, like, what's going on today? Do, do, do you, how does this even apply to me? There's got to be some sort of loophole to this. Like this, there's, this has to apply to me a little bit differently. How does Paul writing to the Romans actually know what's happening in 2020? I mean, do you watch the news? Do you see what's going on in our world today? This has to apply to me somehow a little bit different than how Paul was wanting it to be applied. And I would agree, things have changed since Paul wrote this. But to help you understand how things have changed, I want to help paint a better picture for you on how things have changed when Paul was writing this. For example, the governmental structure when Paul was writing this letter was an autocracy government. It's not a democracy like we have in America. So when Paul is writing this letter, there was one governmental structure in power in most of the world, and the man in power at that time was a man named Caesar Nero. Now, some of you, you recognize the name, you kind of know the name a little bit, but Caesar Nero was not a good and noble leader. In fact, uh, Nero started a fire, burnt down, part of Rome. And the people were like, why, who would burn down Rome? What's going on? It's Caesar Nero. He's burning down Rome. And Caesar Nero, hearing that people were starting to accuse him of this, he decided, I need to find a scapegoat. I need to pass this blame to somebody else. And so Nero said, it wasn't me who started the fire. The Christians started the fire. And so that set off a series of persecutions that were unbelievable. One story is this. Caesar Nero thought he was a great chariot racer. He wasn't, but he thought he was. And so he had a track built in Rome. And he liked chariot racing so much, he not only wanted to race during the day, because there just wasn't enough time in the day, he wanted to race at night as well. 
The problem with racing at night is that electricity hadn't been invented yet. And so to fix this problem, Nero called his army together and said, hey guys, I need to be able to race at night. So go find some Christians, impale them on poles, cover them and light them on fire so they can light up my track at night so I can race. See, that's the Caesar Nero that's in power when Paul is writing these words down. This was countercultural then, and it's countercultural now. And just as a side note, this is the same Caesar Nero that would also later kill Paul. Yet with Nero in power and Christians being some of the most hated people on the planet, Paul says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. And I think Paul could hear the collective groan, why, Paul, why are we supposed to do this? And he tells us, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. We're supposed to submit because all authority comes from God. That's why we have to be very careful that we recognize the authority that's placed over us. We have to recognize that that political leader, the police officer, your boss, your parents, your managers at work, whatever governing authority it is in your life, they are there representing God's authority and have been placed there by God. So if you're a student, you have to honor that teacher, that professor, that principal, whether you like them or not, whether you can stand to be in the same room with them, whether you agree with them or not, you are bound by scripture to honor them because they're an authority over you. If you're a child living at home or whether you're not a child living at home, you still have parents. We are called to honor our parents because they have an authority that is created by God. And so to not honor the authority in your life, be it your boss, your parents, your governing authorities, is to not honor God. In fact, if you can't learn to come under authority, it will be impossible for you to walk with God. Because if God has established authority in your life and you're constantly disobeying and constantly rebelling against that authority in your life, you ultimately are rebelling and disobeying against God. And so when you think of it in terms like that, it turns what you do at work, at home, at school, it turns that all into a spiritual issue. Because if you can't respect and honor the authority in your life, you really aren't respecting and honoring God. Now, of course, when we read this verse and we hear those words, a lot of the big question that comes into our mind is, is this verse saying that dictators and oppressive governments are instituted by God? Well, reading this verse, it would seem that way, that this verse is driving at that no tyrant has seized power without God allowing him to. But I will say, but while all government is of God, that doesn't necessarily mean that the nastiness or the brutality of government is a reflection of God's will. The church, for example, is uh, ordained by God. But that doesn't mean that when you have bad leadership or when the pastor does things that he shouldn't do, that doesn't mean that God wanted it that way. So we could say that God has ordained the institution but does not necessarily endorse the practices of the leaders. And yet this is kind of where the mystery intensifies a little bit. God can use a leader to either bless or judge people. And you can see that as you read all throughout the Bible. God used different leaders to judge or bless the children of Israel all throughout the Old Testament. Because God can use human authority, good ones and bad ones, to bring about his purposes. I'm reminded of the verse in Romans 8:28. God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things means all things, even leaders who might do things that are a little sketchy. 
But this isn't just an Old Testament principle. It's also a New Testament one. Jesus understood that all power comes from God. Even as Jesus is heading to the cross to die for the sins of the world, Pontius Pilate said to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, do you know that I have the power to either release you or crucify you? And Jesus said, The only reason why you have power is because my heavenly Father gave it to you. Pontius Pilate, not a good leader. But God used his leadership, used him at that moment in time to help bring salvation into the world. God works through human authority, good ones and bad ones. And to rebel against the authorities that God has placed in your life is equivalent to rebelling against your father in heaven. So we are, so how are Christians supposed to behave when it comes to governmental authorities? Well, we're supposed to submit to them because they come from God. The second thing that I think Romans 13 is teaching us is we submit to governing authorities because it's not all about the what, it's about who. Look at verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Now, I'm like you. I'm all for authority, especially when I'm the one in authority, right? <laughs> I think, if, I think we could all agree that authority is a great idea and that people should respond positively to authority and should submit to authority when we are the ones in authority. See, I love being head of my household because I get to be the husband. So I get to be the authority in the house. I love the verse that says, children, obey your parents. Because guess what? I get to be the parent. It's so great. I love that verse. One of my favorite verses. Because I think authority is great when I'm the one in authority. And I think authority is great when authority supports my decisions. For example, I like to be able to call the police. I don't like to be chased by the police, all right? I like it when police supports me in my time of need. I want to see their blue lights ahead of me and not behind me. See, I'm like you. I'm all for authority, especially when I'm the one in authority. But here's the problem. We're not always the ones in authority, right? So when your parents, your boss, your government tells you to do something, our first response is to evaluate the what. What am I being asked to do? What am I being required to do? Our first response is to evaluate the what. And once we know what is being asked of us, our second response is, well, do I agree or do I disagree with what I'm being asked to do? And if I can disagree with the what without consequences, then I'm just going to disregard it. I'm going to pretend like it doesn't exist. For example, If I think it's the wrong speed limit, I could just disregard it. I don't feel guilty about it. I don't go to bed at night and confess it as sin. It doesn't even make a mark on my conscience. I talk to God about it. We're both in agreement. The speed limit's 45, and I've I've got places to go and people to see. It should really be 65. So it's just a dumb, stupid rule. Get out of my way, people. Here's the problem. We look at rules and authority, and the first line of response is, what is it asking me to do? And if I don't agree with it and I can get by with it, then I am free, I am home, and it's not going to bother me a bit. But I think the principle that Romans 13 is teaching us is that when it comes to authority, when it comes to rules, it's not all about what, it's about who. See, we want to evaluate each law and each rule one by one and decide if we really want it to apply to us or not. But God would tell us, no, 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 you've got it all backwards. It's not about the what, it's about the who. Now, this can kind of rub us the wrong way, because after all, we are Americans, 
And our country was founded on evaluating the what and thinking, you know, that's just a stupid rule. We need freedom from the British. And so we rebelled, and that's how we got our country and our freedom. And so as Americans, this kind of rubs us the wrong way because we're going, is there an exception? Is there a loophole to submitting to governing authorities? And you can breathe a sigh of relief. There is an exception to this rule. There are actually many examples of this exception played out in the Bible. I'm going to give you two, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament. The Old Testament, Daniel chapter 3, you can read it later for yourself, but King Nebuchadnezzar, he crafts and he builds this golden idol, this golden statue, and he tells everybody, hey, when uh, you hear this music play, you need to bow down and worship this golden statue. And if you don't do that, then you're going to be killed. And so the music plays and all the people bow down and worship this golden idol and statue, all but three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king hears about it, and he's like, you got to be kidding me. I decreed this. Why are these three knuckleheads not listening to what I have to say? Bring them to me. And so they bring him to the king, and he says, is it true that you guys didn't bow down? I'll give you another chance to bow down. And they said, no, we only worship the one true God. So King Nebuchadnezzar threw him into a fiery furnace. So jump to the New Testament now. Acts chapter 4. You have the apostles, Peter and John. And they're appearing before the Jewish Supreme Court called the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin commanded the apostles never again to speak or teach the name of Jesus. And Peter and John replied with these words in Acts chapter 4, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? That's the key verse to our exception. This exception to submitting to governing authorities is this. When governing authorities ask us to obey them, rather than God. So if we're ever asked to do something that God has commanded us not to do, or if we're ever asked to do something that God has commanded us to do, we are not only have the right, but the responsibility to stay true to God. But outside of those moments, we are called to be submissive. We're not called to be revolutionary in terms of government, because here's the big idea. We have dual citizenship. As Christians, we have an earthly address and a heavenly address. And because we have this dual citizenship, we need to learn to live responsibly in both. We need to learn how to balance our allegiance between our earthly address and our heavenly address, what our earthly authorities are telling us and what our ultimate authority, God, is telling us. So you might be sitting there going, well, why are we supposed to submit to the who's in our life? Well, I'm glad you asked the question because that brings us to our third and final point, and that is this. We submit for our good. Ultimately, people in authority over us, they are God's servant for our good. That's what verses three and four are all about. Verse three, to summarize, it says that people in authority over us, they're God's servant, and they are there for our good and not for our evil. Now, does this play out perfectly all the time? No. I mean, you can turn on the news and see political leaders do things they shouldn't do, act in ways that they shouldn't act. Police do the same thing. They do things and act in ways they shouldn't act. So does this play out perfectly all the time? No, it doesn't. But ultimately what God is saying is he has put authority in our lives for our good. And verse four says, so if we're doing good things, then we don't need to worry. But if we're doing bad things, we're doing things that are rebellious, then we need to worry a little bit because we can be punished for our rebellion. In fact, I like how the message translates verse four. It says this. The police aren't there just to be admired in their uniforms. 
God also has an interest in keeping order, and he uses them to do it. So people in authority over us, they are acting and operating as an agent of God. They are exercising God's authority. I want you to notice that a couple times in verses 3 and 4, it says God's servant. That word servant in the Greek is where we get our word deacon from. So I bet the last time you got pulled over, or maybe you've never gotten pulled over, and good for you, but if you ever do get pulled over, I bet you've never just rolled down your window and been like, hey, Reverend, was I going a little fast back there? I bet you've never said, hey, pastor, what's the good word? But that's the word that's being used in verses 3 and 4. They're a deacon. It has nothing to do with religion. See, at church, we can accept that. We, can, we understand that. But what God is saying is that it's not just for church, that I have people out there serving and operating as an agent of me in the real world because I want things not only to be in order in my house, I want things to be ordered in the world as well. And so it has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do whether or not they accept or acknowledge that there is a God. God's saying, I can use human authority, good ones and bad ones, to make sure that there is order that is kept. This kind of gives new meaning to getting pulled over. Because the next time you get pulled over, it's really God who's disciplining you. We need to learn to live with a clean conscience under those servants of God. Not because we fear punishment, not because we agree or disagree with the rule. We need to live with a clean conscience because we know it's the right thing to do before God. Now, I just illustrated those verses with police and being pulled over, and Paul decides to have his own application, his own illustration, and why he chose this, I don't really know. You'll have to talk to him when you get to heaven, but in verses, starting in verse 6, he talks about taxes. He says, for because of this, you must also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. When I was reading this, I was like, hold on. Is he saying that the IRS is a minister of God? That can't be right. So I don't know. Talk to the Lord about it. Get back with me. But I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying. That's a tough one to swallow. Verse 7, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. What Paul is getting at here is that we should pay taxes, not because we think they're fair and that they're just, My whole life, I've never heard anybody go, you know, I just love taxes. I think they're one of the greatest things in this entire world. And I just love where my taxes are going. I think it's funding all the appropriate things and it's going in all the right places. In fact, this year, I feel like I just paid a little less and I feel like I should pay a little bit more. I just have too much money. I don't know what to do with this. We don't say that. No one has ever said that. But what we're learning here is that taxes, revenue, respect, honor, They are not things that we just give. They are things that we owe. And I believe what Paul is telling us through this illustration is that if you cheat God, you're really cheating. Or if you're trying to cheat the government, you're really trying to cheat God. And you might be here today and you might be saying, well, here are 50 reasons the U.S. government dot, dot, dot. Or here are 50 reasons why we should or shouldn't dot, dot, dot. And it doesn't matter. You could be exactly right in all your reasons and all your opinions and why you think government should be this way and government should be that way. It doesn't matter. You could be exactly right. But God has established government. And what these verses are telling us and really teaching us is that we are to pay the one in authority with respect and honor. If you have a Bible in hand, if you don't have a digital one, or maybe you're taking notes, which you could say basically what I think verses six and seven, what I believe it's getting at is that when we pay our taxes and when we honor people in authority over us, it is an act of worship 
to the Lord. Because it's easy for us to respect people in authority when we agree with them, right? But it's a totally different thing when you don't agree with them. When you talk or when you talked about President Obama, did you do so with honor and with respect? When you talk about our current president, President Trump, do you do so with honor and respect? See, nowhere in Paul's letter do I hear him sign off and say, hashtag not my Caesar. (laughs) So why do we as Christians feel that we have the right to say, hashtag not my president, hashtag worst president ever, hashtag not my kingdom? See, if we're so aligned with a political party that that's the thing that drives us, we're playing the wrong game. Listen, we are not supposed to be political pawns in the big game of chess. We are called to be so much more. In fact, after reading chapter 13, you could be like, well, this seems kind of odd. This seems like it's thrown right in the middle of everything. It's really not. Chapter 12 is all about Christians living different, being different, not conforming to this world. And so why would we conform to the political structures and follow suit? You are meant to be so much more. You want to know what my politics are? They're Jesus. They are Jesus. Jesus is better than politics. If anything, I hope this message has provoked you to good works. Jesus is better than politics. Jesus is better than that. And we need, as Christians, to set the example to live differently than how we are. See, we can complain about our taxes. We can complain about our leadership, but God is telling us to pay our taxes and be respectful and honoring to, to whoever and whenever we can. I don't care who's in the White House. I don't care if it's Trump, if it's Obama. I don't care if it's Joe Biden. I don't really care. We are called, according to God's word, to be respectful and to be honoring to whoever is in authority over us. Because the authorities over us are God's ministers, they're his servants, and they are ultimately there for our good. Listen, I believe these verses here is our mandate to honor and to pray for those in authority over us. And I believe these verses show us and are speaking very clearly that we need to be careful how we speak about governmental authorities and political figures. So you may disagree with them, and that's perfectly fine. Disagree. Be involved, vote, get involved in the political process. I think Christians should be more involved in our political process. But here's the thing, leaders will come and go, but there is one who will always stay the same and his name is Jesus. So be involved, disagree if you want to, be involved, vote, do all the things, disagree respectfully, but you are bound by scripture to honor and to pray for your leaders. And if you do talk about them, I hope most of your words about them are not on Facebook or Twitter. I hope when talking about governing authorities, I hope most of your words are talking to God about them, that you're praying for them. And if you're here today and you think that you could be right with God and not be honoring to the authority that God has placed in your life, then you're missing the whole point of Romans chapter 13. The call of Romans chapter 13 is for us to respect all human authority. Why? Because it's instituted by God and it comes from God. Like I said earlier, Jesus understood this. He knew that people were in power because his father allowed them to be. 
And Jesus made no call for a political rebellion. He never tried to win a culture war. He never tried to even overturn the tax code. He never really addressed social issues, though there were plenty going around. Now, was he aware of those things? Yes. Did they break his heart? Of course they did. He knew the great needs, but he didn't come to organize a social revolution. He came for a spiritual revolution. He came to save people because Jesus knew that if a person got saved, that saved person would change their lifestyle. But there were some political uh, people at Jesus' time who hated him, wanted to trap him, and they really wanted to start a political war. And so they asked Jesus in Matthew chapter 22, they said, hey, Jesus, should the people pay taxes? And Jesus, knowing what they were doing and what they were trying to do, he rebuked them and he said, hey, bring me a coin. So they brought him a coin and he said, whose mug, whose face, whose image is on this coin? And he said, Caesar's, of course. And Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. Here's the point Jesus is making. Their money had Caesar's image on it, so it belonged to Caesar. Our money has Abraham Lincoln, George Washington on it. It belongs to our government. But as human beings, we have the image of God on us. We belong to God. We were made in the image and likeness of him. See, you might pay your taxes, and I hope you do, especially after hearing this. I hope you see that God's telling you pay your taxes. So I hope that you pay your taxes, and you might not be a criminal. I mean, occasionally you speed. You know, you might be late to church one day and go, I need, I need to be there. Jesus knows I need to be there. So you're still kind of waiting for Jesus to save your right foot a little bit, but that's okay. Maybe that one time you cut off the mattress tag that said, do not remove under penalty of law, but it was really annoying, but you still cut it off. Overall, you might be a really good person, a great citizen, but here's the scary thing. You can be really, really good. You can obey all the rules. You can make really good grades. Your teacher, your parents, your government, they can all be happy with you, and you can still die and spend eternity without Christ because you never actually gave God what is God's. You never gave God you. Caesar's image may be stamped on our coins, but God's image is stamped on you. God wants you, and if you've never surrendered your life to him, that's where it needs to start. Really, that's where we all need to start, in submission to the one who has stamped us and made us his special creation. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.